0: Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started.
1: Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our friends over at ScentLock. I've got a special guest, a new guest on the line with me. I've got Frank Ragnow, who is the starting center for the Detroit Lions. Frank, how are you, man? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Man, I am better than I deserve. And I can tell you what, I uh, just so everybody's listening, I'm not a fan of the Lions. I could care less about the Lions. But what I am a fan of is the Arkansas Razorbacks and Frank was a razorback. Frank, how long were you at Arkansas? Four years. Four years f- uh, nothing against you but four
0: of Arkansas's worst years. Just yeah gonna throw honest, that out honestly there. Rec- recently it, it was tough. it was tough. We had we had some decent years. we won I think my sophomore year we won eight, I think. but otherwise yeah, the downfall was tough.
1: Okay, so you were there before the, the dry spell of no
0: He wins. I was there before Chad Morris. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Lord. Um, no, I am uh, I'm excited to have you on, man. I uh I grew up in Northwest Arkansas, I grew up in Van Buren, Arkansas. Uh me and my wife actually just went to uh watch um the battle line rivalry rivalry. Uh for those of you who don't know, that's Arkansas versus Missouri. Um, so we went over Thanksgiving break, shot some deer in Arkansas and then went to the game. So that was a great Thanksgiving break. Um, and I'm excited to talk some hunting with you, man. I, uh, I, I've got a bow. I don't know if you've seen it. I got a new recurve and I had a custom Selway archery quiver made with a razorback branded in it. Um, got red strings on it and I call it tusk. So, uh, that's my favorite bow for sure.
0: Tusk, the freaking enforcer.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Um, so tell me quick, man, how did you, uh, how did you get into hunting? Where was your start in hunting?
0: Uh, probably with my dad. I'm trying to think the first time I went, I think was deer hunting. We used to go, you know, uh, my dad was a hunter, but he wasn't like a crazy big hunter, but he's who got me in. We uh, used to go up North in Minnesota for opener. The first, the first opening weekend for rifle. And then the following weekend, and we kind of did that as a tradition. But then I was, then he got me into, I've got family down in South Dakota. So we do a lot of bird hunting, pheasant hunting down there. And But he was probably the one who got me really introduced to it.
1: Pheasant hunting is one of my favorite things on planet Earth to do. I absolutely love pheasant hunting.
0: Oh, especially if you got a good dog. It is, it is beautiful.
1: I don't have a good dog, but I still. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my dog is worthless um but i still love pheasant hunting for sure
0: oh yeah it's sweet man it's a good time
1: so walk me through how that works um i've never got to talk to a uh professional fall uh, athlete um and a hunter i've talked to a lot of baseball players who are hunters um but those seasons overlap i mean perfectly you don't you don't yeah. get, i mean you don't get the fall off um and so I'm curious to know, and here's why I ask. Well, I'll tell you why I ask. But but how does that kind of overlay work? How does that? I mean, do you get a lot of time to go hunting in the fall?
0: No, uh, and honestly, I haven't been able to go deer hunting until I got hurt this year. So I was able to go this year. Otherwise, I haven't been since college. But we get we get like so in the fall for our for football, we get Tuesdays off, and that's it. So you can pull off maybe an afternoon sit every once in a while but otherwise it's pretty dang tough so I do like I turkey hunt in the spring uh I've done some hog hunting which you can basically do whenever you want uh and whatever I can to get my fix but so far it's been it's been tough to get deer hunting but recently this fall because I was hurt and so now so when you're hurt basically your regimen is weighed you don't go to meetings you don't go to practice you just go to rehab and try to get better so I would I had a lot of freedom. So I was able to get permission from a couple guys. Uh did a couple did some hunting. And then hopefully next year I will g- have it set up so that I can at least sneak out um maybe even our bye week or on a Tuesday.
1: So how does that because again, you you look at you look at location. I mean, so not only are you busy, um, but I would imagine being in Detroit, I mean, you can't just walk in your backyard and start hunting. Um, no doubt. You know, there's gotta be a little bit of, of, you know, challenges or barriers to cross that way, to get, to get out and to get hunting. And, and Frank, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but, but I really want to, I want to inspire that person who says I'm too busy to hunt. I want to inspire that person that says, you know, I live in, in New York or I live in LA or I live in, uh, the hunting opportunities aren't there. And so, I don't think there's many busier people in the fall than an NFL professional football player, um, and living in Detroit. So, we're going to cross those two barriers at once, um, essentially. Um, so, what what kind of what kind of barriers do you have to jump through? You know, living in Detroit, what kind of barriers do you have to jump through to go hunting?
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, not much land locally. <laughs> but I mean, if you drive. 45 minutes really each direction you can get into a little bit more i guess suburban slash rural land and uh, i got lucky i mean i i found uh i was trading in my vehicle and i was talking to my car salesman about hunting and he's like oh hey i got 40 acres here i mean it's it's pretty suburban but it's just enough to be able to hunt and uh shoot i snuck out i shut i just snuck out in the afternoon every once in a while and tried to try to pull it off i mean it took I took like, I wasn't able to put together like multiple days in a row of hunting. Right. So, and I really wasn't able to factor wind or really do any, I guess, correct, uh, educated hunting. It was kind of just, Hey, go sit the afternoon and see, hopefully everything goes our way. You know, and I was able to pull, I put a big doe in the freezer. So I was happy about it.
1: Yeah. And that's what that's, that's number one. I want to say point of advice, is you hear all these guys and, and you'll hear me say it is you know, the wind was bad, so I couldn't go hunting or, you know, I didn't get to didn't get to sit in my number one spot because the wind was bad. So I went into a, you know, a B spot or a reserve spot, whatever. Mm-hmm. um You'll hear, you'll hear guys like that talk. Now I want to say this though, if your opportunities are limited, um it, whether you're too busy or whether, you know, land is, is sparse and, You know, if you do want to hunt, it's it's a two hour, three hour drive to find land. Um, don't waste opportunities. Like take the opportunities when they come. Don't listen to the guys say, Well, it's bad wind, don't go hunt. Well, if you've only got, you know, two or three days in a year to go out and sit in a in a tree stand, by all means, you don't waste one because you say, Well, it's not the cold front didn't come or it's not, I don't have the right wind. You take the chances you can get and you go hunting. Um Frank, what would you say for the guy who says I'm too
0: busy? What would you say your number one piece of advice is? I mean, if you, for me, like time wise, time is your most valuable asset. So if you're too busy, you're just saying that that's not your top priority. And you're saying you have better priorities, in my opinion, because if you really value and care about something, you're going to do it. And if, if you're going to find time to do it, I really want to. I wish.
1: I wish that I could have like one of those buttons, Um, you know, I could a live recording TV show, I could press a button and it would applaud you right now. Um, (laughs) I wish I could say that because I'm sick and tired of hearing people say two things. I don't have the time or I don't have the money. Um, Well, listen, and and I don't mean to be pushy. I don't mean to be, I understand that I'm in a, in a predicament that a lot of people aren't. I get to work in the, in the outdoor industry uh, for a living. I understand that. Uh, But I didn't, I, that wasn't the case just not too long ago. Um, you know, I had a nine to five just 18 months ago. Um, so I'm not too far removed from this. I've got three kids. I've got a wife. I understand what it's like to be busy, but I also understand that, that hunting is my passion and I'm, and I'm going to make time for that. Um, now you've got to, you've got to set your priorities straight. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to run my family because I want to go hunting. I'm not going to ruin my job because I want to go hunting. I'm going to set my priorities straight, but if I don't get to go to a, you know, a movie premiere or a, you know, a, a Christmas dinner or whatever because I want to go hunting, so be it, but the hunting is more important to me. Um so so I would just say yeah, you you've absolutely got to prioritize your hunting. And if hunting's not going to be a huge priority for you, that's fine. Um but don't expect much out of it either. Um, you know, those guys who are killing 180s, 190s, they're spending countless days in the field. They're out there working their tail ends off, and it's a priority to them. Um, so I would just say you got to make it a priority. And then as far as financially goes, and and we'll get into the the, the inner city land um, aspect here in a minute. But as far as financially goes, you know, quit buying a, a coffee every day, and that saves you a ton of money right there. And then all of a sudden you can afford it. Uh, quit buying a, a carton of cigarettes or a can of dip. Quit buying those things. If I hear people say all the time, "I wish I could afford to go on cool hunts like that," and I'm like, you know, I know it cost me two two thousand dollars to go on that hunt, but I also didn't spend two thousand dollars buying Starbucks coffee this year. That's a big difference. Yeah. Um, I didn't spend two thousand dollars going out to w- w- the casino. Um, again, I financially made hunting a priority, and I think. I had a guy make fun of me one time because I said my hunting budget and he said, your wife makes you stay on a hunting budget, boy, bad to be you. And I'm like, really? Because, you know, I get that hunting budget in July and June when I'm not really hunting. So I'm just setting that back for the fall. And then I have money to spend to go on hunts. So just because, but work that into your budget work hunting into your budget and make it a priority make it set aside 10 bucks a month set aside whatever you can afford to a month 100 bucks a month setting aside 100 bucks a month gives you 1200 bucks to go on a big hunt every year um you can go to colorado and over-the-counter elk hunt for 1200 bucks um so set those things aside and all of a sudden you can can afford to go on these hunts um frank I'm, i'm interested because you know i'm in rural i'm in rural kansas like i can walk literally out of my backyard and see deer. So what would you say to the guy who does want to start hunting um, or or want more opportunities to hunt, but they live in inner city, big city, there's no land available. They don't know how to go about finding land. Um, What would you say to those guys?
0: Uh, I mean, honestly, I would say if you can find it, the deer are probably going to be bigger and untouched. So, so I mean, honestly, Honestly, I—it I, just comes down to looking at a map and looking, looking at a website and trying to find out that who might have possibly some land that you could hunt. And I guess knocking on their door and asking—I guess it helps me because I'm a Detroit lion, so that definitely—that definitely doesn't hurt my cause being in Detroit. But I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to ask. The worst thing that can happen is you get a no, and uh, then you're just on to the next one. It's over. So I think just just keeping, uh, pursuing it and to keep asking and keep asking around. Because if you hit one of those, one of those land pieces, parcels of land that might be near the city, but just far enough or whatnot, it's probably got some good deer there.
1: It also probably doesn't help that you stand over somebody and you just tower over them and you're like, can I hunt your ground?
0: <laughs> How you doing man? out your ground?
1: You got a, you got a gun in one hand and a Bible in the other. <laughs> and they're like, you can do whatever you want, sir. Just get off my porch.
0: <laughs> no doubt.
1: And then if that doesn't work, then you say I'm a Detroit lion. Then they're like, oh yeah, you can
0: hunt. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> um, no, I, and I think that's a, that's a huge barrier of entry that stops a lot of people. It's like, well, I don't have the land. I don't, I don't do the public ground thing or, you know, I don't live anywhere near public ground. And that's a huge barrier of entry and man, somewhere we've lost the, the, the goal or the, maybe it's the intelligence. And and again, it goes back to prioritizing. Like if you really want to hunt, you'll find a way. Yeah, exactly. But, but we've lost that drive to go out and and spend weeks knocking on doors, um, days knocking on doors. I spend probably two weeks a year um, I set out and I knock on doors all day long. Um, now listen, let's give some advice here. Don't look like Frank when you go to the door, you're intimidating. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, but really though, guys, don't go up to the door wearing camouflage and face paint with blood on your boots from last week. Don't do that. You're going to intimidate people. You're going to scare people. Uh, look presentable um, I don't remember who it was. I want to say it was one of the juries, but I could be wrong. So don't, nobody quote me on that, but I listened to an entire podcast of them talking about how to ask for permission. And might I say taking them a gift? Might I say, even if they say no, just saying, well, Hey, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, here's this or, or whatever. Um, but look presentable. Don't, don't roll up there with music blaring and and you're spitting Copenhagen and you're, you're, you're jumping out of the car and hooping and hollering and acting like a bunch of wild banshees looking act presentable. Hey, I'm not afraid of pulling on heartstrings. I take my kids. Um, but, but look presentable, look nice, look, look intelligent, look like you're not going to go out and, and blow up Tanner right in the Creek. Even if you are going to, um, look presentable. Um, but, but it's a huge barrier of entry. And I think a lot of people just, they use that as a way out. They're like, well, I, I don't have land to hunt. Do you go about, do you have any certain way of, and I'm curious to you know because I don't, I don't live in inner city. Um, but do you have any tips to like networking to find people who might have land?
0: Uh, oh man. I don't know. No. I mean, I just talked. So I, it's a passion of mine. So I've been talking about it with people. Maybe I wouldn't even talk about, like, like I said earlier, I was talking about, I was buying this truck and I was talking about going hunting and the guy's like, Oh, I've got some land and there. There was, you know, like, it's just, I think just the, the lesson or the advice I'd give is just, if it's your passion, talk about it. And who knows, you might, you might, somebody else might know somebody, maybe my car salesman wasn't the guy, but he knew a different car salesman, you know, you never know. It doesn't hurt to just talk about it.
1: I would also say, and and I've done this a lot and it might be, you know, again, I, I don't know um, where that barrier is in inner city, but I call my feed stores a lot. My, uh, my uh, grain elevators, I call them a lot. And I say, Hey, do you, would you guys happen to know any landowners um, that, you know, might, might uh, let somebody hunt? And, and a lot of times they're like, Oh yeah, man, I just had a guy pull in a load of corn and, And, uh, you know, I think he said his grand, his grandsons, um, whatever, I think he said they were leasing it out. Yeah. Maybe, Hey, that'll work. And, uh, a lot of times, uh, they, they know somebody, um, or they know somebody who knows somebody who has family ground or, um, so I, I call my feed stores. Um, I call my grain elevators. I, uh, man, I hit the jackpot. I was at the ATA show last week, which is the archery trade association and uh we were staying in a hotel and they had a farmer's conference um it was like a an ag ground conference and so we're like could could you line up any better two conferences for bow hunters and for farmers um (laughs) same town in the same week and so there was a whole lot of bow hunters walking around saying hey where are you from Uh, i'm from iowa you got any land to to lease to hunters and (laughs) it was hilarious everybody walking around but don't be afraid to ask. Um, don't be afraid to reach out and uh, and and just be willing to get the answer. No. Now, before we go on, let me give a quick thank you to our friends over at Wise Eye. Wise Eye um, is the smartest trail camera that you could ever buy. It is a cellular trail camera, meaning I can open the app and check all my pictures right there. But it also works um, with a with an app inside of your phone that's called hunt control. So you open the hunt control app and inside of that app, you can basically, it'll map out, it'll, it'll have game recognition. So it'll, it'll put all of your bucks into different folders. So if I want to see all the pictures of a buck that I named the big eight, um, it'll put all of those pictures into one folder and it'll give me graphical data. I don't know if graphical is a word. It'll graph out my data as far as when he came, um, dates, temperatures, moon phases. It'll map out all of those things and it'll give me all that data so I can try to nail down when the best time to kill the big eight is. Go check out Wise Eye. They are, in my, in my opinion, the best trail camera you can get and most certainly the smartest trail camera you can get. Um Frank, which I would almost imagine, going back to our whole um barriers, I would almost imagine that somebody who lives in the inner city and it's an effort to get out there. It's an effort to go and get on your, get boots on the ground. I would almost say that that is when a cellular trail camera becomes the most beneficial because then all of a sudden you don't have to drive the two hours. You don't have to find a day to get out there and go look just to pull a trail camera. You can just open your app and check it right there. Have you ever used any cellular trail cameras?
0: A thousand percent. Uh, I have, I didn't this year, but I did, I have in the past for sure.
1: I can imagine that being quite a bit of a game changer.
0: That would be Uh, huge. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if, if that access and that time is so hard to obtain, um, you know, my spots, I can be to some of my spots in five minutes, um, most inside of 30 minutes. Um, so, I mean, I, I run cellular trail cameras in my out of state properties, uh, so I dropped them in Missouri, Oklahoma, Arkansas. That way I can check those cameras throughout the year. Um, and, and again, that plays a huge difference in being able to check those cameras more than twice a year, more than just driving across the state. Oh, I better stop and grab my cell, my, my SD. Um, and so I can imagine inner city that could alleviate a lot of issues of, you know, like you just said, you said I had to go out there unprepared. Um, I, you know, I hadn't scouted, we didn't have a good wind. Um, cellular trail cameras, it would be the best advice I could give somebody in that situation.
0: Yeah. A thousand percent. Cause then at least you could create some sort of plan.
1: So Frank, I'm, I'm anxious to, to kind of dive into uh, another topic here. Um, and that is lessons learned in sports and it doesn't have to be football specific but lessons learned in sports. How does that translate to hunting and vice versa?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I guess like what I said earlier, the biggest lesson I've learned with football and especially like that has helped me or I've learned that what successful people do at my level, whether it was from high school, all the way to college, that is kind of all the way to the pros that has helped me transition is like, like I said earlier is time management and valuing and prioritizing your time because at the end of the day push comes to shove the guys who i mean they're everybody in the NFL right now complete freak shows i mean there's some of the freakiest athletes top to bottom there are some, there might be some guys a little bit more athletic but to be honest the the difference between a first string and a third string isn't as big as people think and i think the thing that separates people uh no matter what, is hard work, and that's the, your time. How much you're willing to, how much time you're willing to put in. Uh, it sucks because you have to sacrifice a lot of times, whether it's being social with friends or whatnot. But if you decide to put in that time and that hard work, uh, I think the sky's the limit. And uh,
1: it 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 all goes back to this prioritizing what's important to you. Yeah, um, man, I, I can't tell you how many times guys say you really shoot every day. Like you must not have anything else to do. You must not be busy. And I'm like, well, actually I wake up at 6 a.m. just so I can shoot. Like, I don't have to wake up at 6. I don't have anything to do until 8. But I wake up at 6 so that I can shoot. And they're like, oh, well, well, i wake up at 6 to go to the gym. And I'm like, well, yeah, because the gym is a priority to you. Uh, Which is fine. You know, I work out in the afternoons, but my priority is shooting my bow daily shot or whether it's a hundred shots, I might only get to shoot one shot a day, but I want to prioritize that time so that every single day I'm at least shooting my bow once. Um, and it all comes back to being a priority. I'm
0: curious. If you, if you look at like a lot of people have iPhones, right? You get your screen time. Tell me you don't get a thing that says that you didn't spend 15 minutes on like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. Like, that's 15 minutes easy you could devote to shooting every day that a lot of people just sit there, and they're sitting there scrolling, and they don't realize how much they've scrolled.
1: Oh, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Um, and then you sit there and tell me you don't have enough time to shoot your bow. And you're like, well, I'm scrolling at night in the dark. I can't shoot my bow in the dark. Listen, I don't care if you shoot your bow at two yards in the garage. I don't <laughs> care if you shoot it in your, in your basement. I don't care if you shoot it. I have a target in my basement that – I mean, I can, it's eight yards, but if it's snowing or cold or dark or kids are sick or whatever, and I can't get out to shoot my bow, at least I can practice the the muscle memory and the repetition of shooting my bow. Um, and you've just got to learn those things. Like you just have to make those sacrifices and make it a priority. What, uh, what kind of lessons have you learned taking from the deer woods and applied it to and to sports or success in sports and the reason I ask is because a lot of these people a lot of people who are getting into hunting um are your you know that 16 17 18 year old kid um who's just coming off of high school sports or uh you know just coming off college sports or um you know they spent that that was me um you know I, I grew up playing high school basketball and I never really devoted a lot of time to hunting until that was over And then it was like, well, my falls are open. Now what do I do? Let's go hunt more. Um, And so I'm curious to know if you took anything from hunting and vice versa, applied it to success in sports.
0: I'd say probably uh, like something along the line of like patience, patience and like trusting the process. So let's say you sit there, the wind is perfect. It's a cold front and everything's supposed to happen. Tonight's supposed to be the night that you hammer a big deer and it doesn't happen uh, to be the ability to just be patient and wait till the next great day and just kind of trust what you're doing. I think that correlates a lot to sports because a lot of, uh, success in football or sports in general, it's not going to happen overnight. And, and there's going to be a lot of failure until you hit that success. But if you're trusting that process, you're being patient with the process, uh, you'll reap the rewards. I love
1: it. I love it. And it is a process. Mm-hmm. It, it absolutely is a process. Um, you know, I recently took uh Joey Zatmary, who is a national champion strongman, took him on his first hunt and uh and he shot a doe. And I asked him as we sat there and he's he sat behind his doe, uh, big, big old I mean, burly man sitting behind a doe. Um, and he's all giddy, you know, like you can't get him to stop. And I'm just like so how was how was it, man? Tell me about the process. And and he let out this sigh and he goes, Well, it is a process. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, you know, sometimes we lose faith in that. Sometimes we lose we lose um the we lose the 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 idea of success harvesting the trophy. We lose that because at this moment it sucks. Like at this moment it's hard. And we lose that idea of of the, the joy of the success. And then we just let it all go to heck. You know, then we just give up, we quit, we pack it in early and then we're never going to find the success. Um, so it absolutely is a process. Walk me through kind of your progressional, because again, I'm interested to know, and I know that, that, that last season was a bit different. Um, but on a normal, on a normal year, what, what does that process look like for you?
0: like just that work
1: um the 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 process uh, yes the communication between work and hunting if that makes sense
0: yeah i mean for me my job i mean you really you're right it's very sparse your free time um very very sparse so for me it's like all right i need to prioritize Knowing my, knowing what I need to do on Sundays and being prepared and not only mentally being prepared, but physically being prepared, and knowing if my body's in the right position. So to, to, to to kind of balance hunting with that, it's like, it's knowing that, Hey, it's a Tuesday off. I need to take care of my body. So I need to go in for two to three hours, even if it's an off day, but to do hot tub, cold tub. And whatnot but then hey but before watching films that night maybe that afternoon go and check a trail cam go and check and make sure stands are okay uh just go scout a land or whatnot and i mean that's that's when it came down to it that's the, that's all i got it's a two to three hour window or that's it at most and uh that kind of is what it is with the job but at one day hopefully once uh, football's over, then I'll be I'll be free to make it a huge priority and spend as much time as I want to do it.
1: Now, for that person who maybe they're in the same predicament as you, and I I don't think that I have a ton of NFL players that listen to this podcast, but what I mean by that is is they're busy, they're inner city, um, they don't have a lot of time to get into the woods. Well, what, what's the number one piece of advice or, um, you know, could be encouragement
0: that you would give that person? Uh, probably like, it's just like, you know, say people, people say, set alone an hour or two for yourself, uh, in your life to take care of your mental health. Right. Like this is, if hunting is your passion and hunting is your love, Hey, it's good to set it's good to set aside two hours, an hour hour and a half to do something towards that passion. And if that that's if whatever it is and that's your passion, you got to do it because it'll be good for not only your health, but then it'll help it'll help you make strides to where you want to be with it.
1: I love it, man. I love it. Um we live in a in a busy hustle bustle, you know, grind it out, like never slow down, don't have any downtime type of world. And we view this whole, I make time to shoot my bow. They're like, oh, I, yeah, it must be nice not having a real job. You know, it must be nice being a kid. And, like, and and I'm like, but wait a second. In the same breath, you're cursing your next meeting that you have to walk into. Like, in the same breath, you're so incredibly stressed out and full of anxiety that you can't even function as an adult. Like, you know what I mean? And And I, and I don't mean to talk bad about anybody, but it seems as though when I find time in those weeks where I consistently make time and you're right, dude, it might be 10 minutes. Like I might walk out and shoot six arrows and walk back in. That took me literally 10 minutes, but it was still time to shut out the rest of the world, to shut off emails, phone calls, voicemails, to cut off, um, you know, whatever might else be happening in my day and to just focus on what I want to focus on. And just that that 10, 15 minutes a day, if I do that consistently, all of a sudden I had a good week and and it made the rest of my week better. And so I absolutely love that piece of advice, man, because we live in this world that views downtime as like a weakness or like, you know, you got to stay busy. And and not only will it make me a better hunter to set that time aside and to say, this is what I'm going to do whether I have to wake up early or stay up later, this is what I'm going to do. Um, it'll make me a better hunter, but also it'll just make me a happier person. <laughs> and, if that's golf, yeah. and if that's golf for you, let it be golf. If that's gardening for you, let it be gardening. If that's working out, let it be working out. But find some sort of mental escape um, because our society all in all would
0: be a whole lot better if people would do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, man, even if I can't, like, something that always gets me through the NFL season because it's twelve-hour days and it gets long and it's uh, repetitive and you get beat up physically and mentally. But like something that I've always done at the end of the day when I'm done watching film and everything, right before I'm going to bed, I'll watch a couple YouTube videos, hunting and fishing, and that, I mean, that alone, that thirty minutes, that fifteen minutes, that one video is so such a good release for me to just relax. And you kind of forget about everything. Absolutely.
1: Um, I've got one more question for you. This is the Bear Archery podcast. Fred Bear was big on his field notes. Um, what's one piece of of advice that you could give somebody from the field? Uh, one field note you've taken um that could make me a better archer and, or, or a better bow hunter. And I'm gonna I'm gonna share one. I don't share one every episode, but I wanna share a product and i have no tie to this product whatsoever. Um they don't know me, i don't know them, but nose jammer. Um i have become a believer in it. I uh i called some friends a while back and had this new property and i ha- i set it up the best way i knew how and there was no good wind to hunt this. And so i was getting really frustrated and i called some friends of mine and i said, "How do i hunt this? What do i do here?" And they said nose jammer. And I was like, whatever, dude. I'm not adding scent to the woods. I don't don't do that stuff. And uh, lo and behold, I got so frustrated, I gave it a shot, and it worked. Now, here's what I want to tell everybody about Nose Jammer. I describe it as this. It is not a cover up everything, don't have to worry about your wind, go out dirty. That's not what this is. I describe it as a wind insurance. If a deer gets down wind of me and it stays there long enough, it's still going to smell me. But nose jammer, nose jammer might give me that extra three to five seconds that I need to make a shot before they figure out that there's something there they don't like. Um, so nose jammer, that's my field note. Um, I've become a believer in it this last year. Um, what's, do you have any kind of, uh, field note tip for us? Uh,
0: I would say something that I've learned, uh, fishing and hunting is don't hunt a memory. Uh, what that means is, Hey, you may have this piece of property, that has this one stand that has been—that's the gold mine. Everybody calls it the gold mine stand, but that doesn't mean that that should be your go-to stand that day or whatnot. Trust the wind. Uh, do trust the cold front. No, do some studying and figure out where that is. Don't always just hunt a memory.
1: My—I uh, believe it was Cuz Strickland that said this. Cuz Strickland from from Mossy Oak, I believe he's the one that said it. But he said best stand is the one that has the best wind. Yep. Uh, at any given time. Uh, You're right. I mean, I have my number one stands, and when you've got a good win there, absolutely, by all means, that's when I run in there and set it. But if I've got a bad win for that set, set, that's not my best stand for the day. Um, So I need to find a different stand to set. Um, Before we go, I got to give a quick thank you to our friends over at the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. Um, John Mesh was a firefighter in the Kansas City area. He had a strong desire for getting his daughters and other kids involved into hunting. He died in the line of duty, uh, protecting and serving. And his brother, a good friend of mine, Jim Mesh, started a memorial scholarship in his name. So now all over the country, they um, they have these events to help raise money and get kids involved in the outdoors. And then they have a scholarship that they give to one student looking to um, make a living in conservation or in in the outdoor world. And so uh, I I'm a... Sometimes I can become skeptical on, uh, non-for-profits and, and how much they really do. Uh, but this is one I am not skeptical of. So guys, please go check out the John V mesh Memorial scholarship, um, because they are the real deal. And I believe they make a real difference for kids all over America, wanting to get involved in hunting, Frank, from the bottom of my heart, man, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we've been trying to nail down each other for, for a bit. And, uh, it was an absolute pleasure, uh, you know, man, I, I miss seeing you in a, in a Razorback uniform, but I guess that's how it works, huh?
0: Yeah, dude. Hey, man, next time maybe one day I make it down in northwest Arkansas and I'm able to catch a game or whatnot, we should we should try to get hunting. That would be awesome. There you go, man. Um, there's a few players
1: this year. Um, Traylon Burks. Uh, he's oh, yeah, here. dude. Um, and, you know, I've chatted with him a couple times about coming on the show. Uh, n- never did get to nail him down. Um, Bumper pull. Uh, he shot a nice deer in texas last week um nice deer um there's a couple other ones i don't i don't remember who now hayden henry um which you played with his brother i'm sure that probably overlapped. I, pl- I
0: played with hayden too for oh, a year okay okay. Yep.
1: okay um yeah so so that'd be a blast man We'd, we'll have to make that happen for sure be awesome well, Frank, thanks so much for coming on guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, again, I know it's still show season. Uh, we've got a few more shows to go in this crazy madness. Um, so find me at any show you're at, um, I'll be at, at SCI. Uh, I'll be at, um, not sheep, sheep's going on right now. Um, I'll be at Portland. I'll be at, um, several different shows. So come and find me at a show. I'd love to sit down and talk hunting with you and, and swap hunting stories. Um, if you're getting geared up and ready for turkey season this, this spring, good luck and, uh, make sure and share, share those success photos with me. Cause I'd absolutely love to see them, but guys, thanks for listening and you guys have a great week.